four overtimes the last 20 minutes of the game by myself. Oh, oh my God. God. How much yeah. tea did you drink after that for your voice? <laughs> tea? Seriously? Dude, I had, I had a bottle of bourbon waiting for me. All righty. All right. Welcome to another episode of Expand Your Brand. Uh, very excited for this episode. We're supposed to have a special guest, John Rook. He is the radio play-by-play -play announcer for PC Friars. Hopefully he'll be joining us soon. But in the meantime, uh, Austin and I are going to catch up about the week, sports, oh, yeah. everything that's been going on. Um, you know, we had we had uh, the golf tournament this past week, and I forgot the name of it off the top of my head. But what, uh, uh, the Arnold Palmer. Yeah, the Arnold Palmer yeah. event. Uh, Kitayama won, huh? How about that? It was awesome. Yeah, he made a triple bogey on the ninth hole, I think. And then he just kind of reined it in, and everyone else faltered around. And they didn't take advantage <laughs> of it. I was so surprised, but it was good to see him win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's someone different too, right? Like, it, I didn't, I never heard of him before, and he just kind of came onto the scene, and I, I saw that was it Rory that went out to him after and congratulated yeah, him, which was yep. a nice, very nice gesture for yeah, sure. Yeah, I feel like every week there's a new person that could win. You know, I think that it's so diverse, so it was, it's definitely good to see new faces win, especially when they beat the the top guys. You know, so right? It was he, good. Yeah, and I think well, also did you see? On top of the golf news, like what Justin Thompson, Justin Thomas said to um about like the live players and yeah. PGA tour. I literally just saw that before this. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Like how he just like was like, Yeah, we have better quality players and yeah. stuff. That that has to be an event. That has to be something brewing coming up or something like that. I hope so. I think uh I think the first gist that we're gonna see of it is gonna come at the Masters, which is gonna be great with with the live guys competing with the pj tour guys again i think it's going to be such a great mix of uh of talent yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i think uh man i don't know it's gonna be super exciting to see all that it's gonna be a lot of hype a lot of news a lot of stuff going on in between there i don't know how uh -huh. it's gonna how it's gonna go down but i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of trash on it now is greg norman gonna show up and be a fanboy for live and carry the live name or what's gonna happen there? i don't know i don't know if he'll be uh I don't know if he'll be allowed on ground. <laughs> yeah. He's caused a lot of problems. Yeah. But I mean, I I also saw a thing. Um, I think Rory did a press conference today and he said that Liv has transcended the game and, and helped the PGA tour progress too. So um I think eventually things will, will iron out, but I think the duel between Liv and PGA will be um will be something to watch for for sure yeah definitely i mean i would love an event for something like that to happen and just for it to like just all the views and the clicks and everything um that's gonna happen with that like how many like yeah. all the views and what they're gonna get obviously i'm sure cw will try to fight for their right to have <laughs> something about air the event as well too um their event might be a little bit more uh a little more party yeah. action and everything like that um but yeah it should be pretty pretty interesting anything else that comes up but also we have the start the start of the tournaments and everything that we have going on we'll get into it with john in a little bit as well too we have um we have big east tournament a10 tournament all the power five schools are in tournaments mm -hmm. going on anything that you're looking forward to for these like march madness tournaments and um, i mean the, the conference tournaments just yeah i mean conference tournaments are are always intriguing to me because any team within the conference, I feel like, can make a run and win, right? Yeah. I, we always go back to the UConn days um, when they when they made their huge run. Um, so I think the conference tournaments are important because they can gain momentum to get into 
if they win it, obviously they get an automatic bid into the into March Madness. But I think a lot of teams that are going to get in anyway, they can use it whether they win or not. They can gain momentum to get into March Madness and and hopefully make a run there too. So it's two different styles. Obviously, the Big East is going to be hard nose. Everyone plays super hard and and physical with each other, but I think it helps that conference going into um, March Madness. And I think we look at the Big East as so, our school. Ooh. It's our school that we root, root for. for yeah. Know? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Big East for sure. Madison Square Garden is always great. I wonder if there will be, like, what Cinderella team is going to kind of shock everyone or, like, what team that's coming out of conference. I mean, there were, like, already some crazy upsets in, like, I it was like northern arizona or some someone beat like a number one school at a buzzer like yeah. you know a number one team in the conference and stuff i wonder if there will be uh um you know what they'll be what they'll be looking for like what team they're gonna go like what team's gonna give you an upset and everything like that as well yeah too. yeah it should be good i haven't really looked into much of it right now but um like so far but Definitely starting Thursday with the Big East. I'll start to tune in and hopefully um, hopefully continue to watch that throughout and, and see who comes on top in the conferences. Yeah, it will be very interesting. I'm sorry, I'm talking talk to our guests right now too. So now, but, <laughs> um, um, it will be very interesting to see what like who will come out on top and like what smaller team is going to make a run because you always have those loyal chicago's you have that florida golf coast the, the dunk city or whatever the yeah, jam yeah. city were called <laughs> um and then you know it'll be um it'll be super interesting but also it's going to be interesting to see because i think the big 12 and the big east have been such dominant in the rankings that like if one of those teams will actually win the yeah. ncaa tournament and you know we'll get more into it with john about the big east and talk about pc i know there's a lot of pc fans out there that are listening that oh, listen yeah. to the show and <laughs> you know obviously we root for our teams in rhode island but i'm also interested to see i, I don't know if brian um has played yet or anything like that but um but before we get to our guest john is joining us right now i will <laughs> let's get into our word to response and then we'll pop into our interview with john sounds good welcome to vintage cigar lounge the place where you escape to not from a place where your cigar options are limitless a place where friends come together and bond over the finest cigars and drinks a place where your selected few can retreat to and enjoy premium cigars great conversation and your liquor of choice within the privacy of our private rooms looking for a place to escape to our doors are always open All right, on today's episode of the Expand Your Brand podcast, we welcome on a very special guest. He is John Rook. He is the radio play-by-play announcer for the PC Friars. So if you listen to it on the radio, you definitely recognize John's voice. <laughs> John, how are you today? Hanging in there. Hanging in yeah. there. Trying to enjoy the big city. Yeah, yeah. Had a rough uh, start, though. <laughs> the start, huh? It's, 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 it's typical. But... I did get for, bumped up to first class on Amtrak on the way in, so that was oh, pretty good. Cool. Very nice. All right, there you go. <laughs> well, so, see, I'll take the good with the bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. Out, outweighs each other. 
Uh, John, thank you so much for your time, and we appreciate you're up at uh, up in New York, and you'll be calling the the game, and um, you're up with, with PC. So Thursday night, uh, Thursday afternoon, I should say, PC versus UConn, uh, the four and the five. Cooley meets Hurley. This has been kind of a rivalry since the Rhode Island, you know, the Rhode Island versus PC days. What are your thoughts on this upcoming matchup between the two teams? Well, um, I, I guess it would probably be helpful if we knew which you know, Providence team was going to show up. It was the team that, you know, played UConn and, and uh, beat them by 13 at the uh, at the Amp back in January, or if it was the team that showed up at stores a couple of weeks ago and lost by 18. So, I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, uh, the way the season progressed for both teams and the, the situations. You know, UConn is very, very good. You know, the Friars have played great this year at times, too. I just, you know, uh, my concern would be whether or not they've fallen back into old habits, which they kind of have done of late in terms of being able to guard people. So, you know, the idea here is to try to get back to doing what you were doing when you were most successful. So I'm hopeful that while they probably looked at, uh, you know, the the tape of the, of the defeat to UConn, I'm hopeful they also looked at the tape of the win so they can get back to understanding, all right, what did we do to become successful? And I think that's what this team needs to try to remind itself. Yeah. What, what do you think the keys are in order for them to come out on top against UConn and then make a run in the tournament? Well, uh, you, you got to defend. I mean, uh, they haven't done a good job of that uh, in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, and UConn has, you know, uh, two, three guys, you know, that they'll throw at them that, you know, are potential pros. So, um, you know, first things first, uh, I, I think you have to figure out a way to slow down Jordan Hawkins. Uh, second of all, you got to figure out a way to score on the inside and and take the ball right at Adama Sinogo and even um, uh, Donovan Klingon when he gets into the game. Um, you know, I, they, they were, they, they had good success against the Friars, UConn did with Alex Caravan in the second game. They didn't in the first game. And so what I would do is, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to make that kid play defense so, mm -hmm. because that'll help take him out of his offensive game. So my guess would be, um, uh, I, 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 I got to see Bryce, uh, you know, uh, Hopkins getting the ball early and often and yep. make UConn try to slow him down. I think offense might actually be the best defense in that regard. Yeah, right, right. And what do you look like? What are you looking forward to? Is there a matchup specifically in this this game that you're looking forward to? Is Sonogo versus Croswell, or is it like Hopkins? Like, is there a specific matchup that you're looking up for two players against? Well, I think I think Ed can actually do a you know a decent enough job against Sonogo. With all due respect to Adama, he's a great player, but uh, I, I think I think Croswell. Uh, his he's just got to return to you know being a rock in the middle like he's been uh, much of this year. Uh, I, I think the the biggest uh, factor for the Friars is they got to figure out a way to give uh, Hawkins an off night. So I'm definitely uh, slapping Devin Carter on him for a while to see if yeah. he can um, you know bother him because if he's off, I, I honestly think that um, the, the rest of the team uh, kind of revolves around his vibe. And so I think the rest of the team might struggle if uh, they can slow down Jordan Hawkins. Yeah. Um, can you explain to us or and the viewers what Madison Square Garden is going to be like Thursday and over the weekend throughout the Big East tournament? It's one of the best environments I've ever <laughs> been in. Um, I, this is my 35th Big East tournament, and uh, <laughs> they, and they've only played what 41 of them here, so uh, or however many they've played here now, but uh, 42 somewhere in that number. But I, I would tell you that you know, uh, when the place is full, 
and it's rocking and you got a close game, um, you you can literally strike a match and, and blow the place up. I mean, that's just electricity <laughs> is just natural. And 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 that's a great environment to be in. And I always tell people that are always, you know, asking me, like, you know, hey, what's it like to be at the guard for you know one of those games? And and I tell them, look, there's there's just nothing like it because you have fans that are in there that, you know, especially on Thursday afternoon, you got fans that hate each other. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't get that kind of thing in the pros. You have yeah. good old-fashioned hate. And, and you know, and the funny thing about it is, though, is when the game is over, you're shaking everybody's hand and the teams are going to their respective benches or whatever. And then, you know, if you manage to survive that, you're out there, uh, you know, in the streets in front of the garden trying to buy off the tickets from the losing team. So all of a sudden, <laughs> they're your best buddies because you're trying to get tickets to go to the next game that your team is playing. So that's kind of the unique aspect of this to this entire thing. And there's just, and there's just, there's nothing like hanging out at night, you know, in prime time in the garden. I mean, so yeah. many great athletes, great performers, uh, great events have come through here. I mean, it's just a, it's a real treat to be a part of. It's gotta be such a great environment to be at the Madison Square Garden and like just the way to explain it and everything that's going on. But the big East is so stacked. And with that tournament, I'm sure those games have got to get intense. The fan base, like you just mentioned, the, the fan base is getting intense. Like, what do you what do you see about like this this like tournament? Like, what's what's been some of your favorite parts about seeing all these tournaments that you've been a part of? Probably, it, it, it's the main reason that I enjoy coming back here every year because I know that I'm going to get some kind of a charge out of it one way or the other. I hope it's usually a positive charge. Yeah. Sometimes it's been nothing more than a big kick in the seat. But, um, I, you know, it just, I mean, when I walk into the garden and I go up the escalators to the fifth floor and I walk onto the floor and it's quiet and that huge video scoreboard is there in the middle and the lights are flashing and there isn't even any music playing. There's just some idle chat, right, going on, you know, and maybe they're trying to put the floor together or maybe, you know, you know, they're testing the sound system or whatever. But when I walk in for the first time every year, I get chills. Oh. And I and I and I think about how privileged I am to have the position that I have to work for the, you know, the school and, and the and the team and the and the logo that I represent uh, on the floor and, and to be a part of that. And, and a place like that gets to be my office for the week that, that just, you can't beat that. You just yeah. can't. And, you know, regard it, it's much better. I will certainly be honest with you here. It's much better when your team is good and you yeah. have a chance to be successful yeah. because then you can, you can kind of like, you know, stick your neck out a little bit, <laughs> and, you know, and you can, and, and you can, you know, you, you, you got a little bit of swagger going about you. Right. Yeah. Uh, but even when your team is not very good, you know, that you've always got a puncher's chance in a place like this. I mean, look at what UConn did back in 2011, they were a middling nine and nine team, you know, yeah. it was Kimba and the little guys. Right. And then they won five freaking games in five nights yeah to win it and this is back in the 16 team big east yeah and then when they were done with that they ripped off six more in a row to win the natty i mean yeah <laughs> that, you, you want lightning in a bottle that's lightning yeah and, and so that should tell you that i mean they were nine and nine and they finished in ninth place in the big east in the regular season and did that in 2011 that was just 12 years ago and I just, I'll never forget it. And I'm thinking, wow, this truly means that, you know, hey, if you got one or two really good players on your team, which UConn had at the time and Providence has now, 
and you just plug in, you know, maybe, maybe you catch that lightning bolt. You know, maybe it's like, you're the flash, you know, yeah, and yeah. you get by that lightning bolt and all of a sudden <laughs> now you're all over the place. Right. I'm a big comic book guy. So I mean, <laughs> hey, um, to me, that, that's all you need. And if you have that possibility lying in front of you, why wouldn't you want to come and try to be a part of that? Right. Right. right yeah. Right. I think that's what we were just talking. It's funny. We were, every time we talk about like March Madness, <laughs> we always bring up that UConn team from 2011, that run that they made, because it's just unbelievable, like an unbelievable run and anything yeah. that happened, especially it's such in a big East that's always competitive and there's always some great teams that are in it. And it's just like the beat that Pittsburgh team and they go on to win. So it was Crazy, like you said, you can catch lightning in the bottle anytime. Hey, you, you remember that that uh, ankle breaking jump shot that Kemba oh. hit against yeah. Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah. back in 2011 to to win their third game in three nights, and then they had, that was in a quarterfinal game. That was in a quarterfinal <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't even decide the championship. It wouldn't even to get into the championship. That was a Thursday night run of the mill regular old quarterfinal, yeah. and Kemba stood up and. honestly i mean he was superhuman that night i don't think gary mcgee has found his ankles yet (laughs) (laughs) and and, and i felt i felt sorry for him i felt sorry for him because he broke his ankles on that one and where has he been since then nowhere that's the highlight that always sticks out that i think everyone plays that uconn (laughs) well I, I, the way that I the way that I kind of look at it is is that it's it's kind of like Pittsburgh's version of um, um, send it in Jerome. You know they yeah. had <laughs> you know, it was it was um, uh, you know Pittsburgh that dunked on PC. Then when Raff went off, you know send it in Jerome breaking the score breaking the backboard right back in what yeah. was that eighty eight I guess it was. Well, so Pittsburgh had it coming to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's karma. That's yeah. karma. That's balancing out the universe there. Yeah. John, in your 35, 35 years, right? That's this is my 35th year at the tournament. It's my 34th year uh, to be the radio voice. The first year that I was here at the tournament, uh, I worked at at, uh, WPRI Channel 12 uh, as their weeknight sports guy. And I was the host of the Rick Barnes TV show. So we kind of came out on the road and and, and did the whole tournament and produced the Rick Barnes, the last Rick Barnes show, I remember that year, uh, somewhat semi-remotely um, uh, for oh, Coach wow. Barnes that season. Yeah. So in these 34 years, what's your most memorable moment at the at the Big East tournament? Bar none. It's 2009, six overtime, Syracuse and Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, there's nothing that you can compare to that. I, I was privileged that night. I did the national radio broadcast that night. And, um, my broadcast partner was John Celestan who played at Villanova and played for the Lakers for a while in the NBA. And so he and I were doing the national radio game that night. Sean McDonough did the, uh, the, uh, television game on ESPN. And so, uh, Celestan and I were doing the national radio and it was, unbelievable back and forth and at the end of the second overtime uh selly lost his voice he had nothing he was like this. <laughs> can't go i can't get it you know and so i did the last four overtimes the last 20 minutes of the game by myself oh, oh my god. god how much yeah. tea did you drink after that for your voice <laughs> tea seriously dude I had I had a bottle of bourbon waiting for me. 
Come on now. Tea? Really? No. I was just that, trying, I, mean, I, was just trying to... I mean, we walked out of the garden at, at 147, I think is what the time was on the clock. And I'm like, there's got to be, I mean, this is New York, right? There's yeah, got to yeah. be a bar. There's got to be something open because yeah. if you ever needed a drink, you needed it after that game. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That, that energy of like, I'm sure when you went out to the bar or went out after how high, like how much energy do people have? Like just from watching that game and the crazy, the craziness of that game. It was, it was, um, I mean, it was the single most memorable moment you know, that, that I've had, I mean, I, we've had a lot of good ones. I mean, when Friars beat Georgetown in 94 to win their first ever big East title and, you know, and, the, and of course beating UConn to lead up to get to that game against Georgetown. And, and there's been a lot of great games in this building that even, you know, PC has played and some disappointments. Sure. But I mean, I don't know how you can, I mean, that's a game that will stand the test of time. In fact, when you go up to the um, uh, eighth floor, so you're three floors up from uh, the, the the floor at Madison Garden is, is on the fifth floor there inside the building. You go up to the eighth floor and sit at the mezzanine level. That's actually where the bro the radio broadcast locations are. So we have to go up either the escalator or the elevator if we can catch a ride. And as soon as you walk out of the elevator, you run right smack dab into a display case on that eighth floor corridor talking about that six overtime game. You can't miss it. It's all yeah. over the place. And so I look at that and I kind of laugh. I'm like, where the hell's my name? You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> I was there. But, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I, I was just, hey, listen, I was just happy to be in the building and happy to be along for the ride and happy that it was the luck of the draw that I had such an incredible game to do that night and, and that it was, in, you know, extraordinarily historical uh, in, an event, the longest game in college basketball history. Yes, please. Thank you very much. I'd like to do that again. Yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Great. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you've been a part of the Big East for, you know, a long time. You've seen a lot of, like, great games and teams and everything. What is it about the Big East conference in itself that makes it such one, one of the best basketball conferences in the country and to, like, be able to experience, like, great games in and out, seeing these stacked teams come in and play? What, what's that like? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I've always kind of wondered that myself, and I guess – after all these years, I, I'm kind of led to believe that, you know, the Big East is unique. There are a few other leagues that have, you know, a similar trait, but the Big East is unique uh, in, in a couple of different ways. Number one, it's an extraordinarily physical league. Always has been. Probably always will be. It was The tone was set back in the mid-80s when Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen were, were ruling the roost. Um, and then I think it got a, it got a boost in the early 90s. Uh, from those Georgetown teams and those Friar teams, you know, that Rick Barnes coached as well. That's how he learned how to battle. And, you know, a lot of those teams, Syracuse was physical, Pittsburgh was physical, even Boston College had some physical teams back then. So uh, I think there, it's the physicality of play, number one, that has always been a, a sort of a check mark for the Big East. You know that when you're in the Big East, you are going to have your head hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get hit, and you'd better. I mean, it's like you know. That's why I remember thinking that Pittsburgh's team a few years ago, when they were number one in the Big East, they looked like they were a team full of NFL tight ends. They yeah, were so yeah. big and physical, and and uh, and I think that's that's sort of been a trait in the Big East, and I think you know the Big East has kind of gotten back to that uh, in a sense. That's number one. Number two, um, teams really compete hard. I don't think that they really hate. Fans may hate, but fans yeah. are fans. 
you know, that's, you know, and it's in, in this, this day and age of social media, you know, uh, you know, Twitter and things like that are made for trolling anyway. So, you know, fans <laughs> are going to be fans. So, so, you know, let them do it. It's fine. It's no skin off anybody's nose. Nobody really pays any attention to all of it. It's all in good fun mostly. Um, but they really compete hard. And then when the competition's over, everybody has everybody else's back. Yeah. Like next week when we go into, into the NCAA tournament, we're all going to be rooting for everybody. Yeah. Right. There's there's a sort of a, a camaraderie and a companionship in within the Northeast in particular. But now we include our our Midwestern brethren in, in Milwaukee and Chicago and certainly in, in Omaha uh, that just it's it's ties like that that bind us all together. And I think that's unique to college yeah. basketball. I would say that, you know, the Big 12 might have that a little bit because of the Texas schools. You know, they they hate each other. Yeah. I know because I live there, but at the same yeah. time, you know, when when they're done playing each other, they kind of root for each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, and and you might have that a little bit in the SEC. I don't think you have that at all in the ACC, and I think it's part of the reason why the ACC is just one big stagnant, you know, waste pile right now. It, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's hard for me to watch ACC basketball except for the top two or three teams in that league, you know. Yeah. And the and, and the Big Ten maybe a little bit, but I see that kind of camaraderie and that kind of stuff uh, in, in the Big East and in the Big Twelve primarily. And I really kind of think that's what sets us apart and what makes this league different and so enjoyable you know, within uh, the realms of college sports and college athletics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. It, it's good to get your insight. So we want to kind of move into what do you think makes Coach Cooley so great for the PC Friars fan base, community, and ultimately leading the basketball team? Oh, you know, Ed has been a godsend, um, you know, for the program. Yeah, uh, he's he's just been um, uh, a guy that was made tailor made to be in this position. And, you know, I, you want to talk about divine providence. It, it's it's that that's that's how he got here. I mean, you're talking about yeah. a kid from South Providence, a kid from the sticks, a kid from poverty, a kid from nothing, you know, who actually made himself into something. His work ethic is unparalleled. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why. He, you know, Providence, when Providence was kind of swinging with a shorter stick a few years ago, Providence was able to compete with a lot of the larger programs and, and more high-profile programs and bigger schools because of guys like Ed Cooley, who literally overachieved. But now yeah. that, you know, uh, Ed has had the the, the, the the foresight from, you know, uh, former president, uh, Father Shanley, former athletic director, Bob Driscoll, and current athletic director, Steve Napolillo. Uh, they've supported his efforts, you know, 110%. You know, they've got the Ruane Center on campus now, which is on a par with nobody else in the league in terms <laughs> of a, a basketball facility. I mean, I've seen them all. I've yeah. seen them all. Yeah. And and we, I'll give you a good example. When uh, the Friars were playing, going to play um, DePaul, and we stopped off in Indiana uh, at Purdue. And Purdue was number one ranked in the country at the time. And Ed and Matt Painter, Purdue's head coach, are really good buddies. And um, we went into Purdue's facility, which is adjacent to their football stadium, Ross Aid Stadium. And uh, I mean, it's a nice facility. I mean, let me, I mean, I'm not going to make any bones about it, but Providence is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it hangs right there. 
with a program that was number one in this country for most of this season. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, and, and again, Purdue has great facilities, but Providence has everything to be proud of and zero to be embarrassed about. They hang with the best. And so <laughs> because of that now, you're able to actually go out and recruit kids and not have them say, Psh, PC, yeah. where the hell is that? You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, no longer are we just a little bump in the road on I-95 between. Yeah, right. and Boston. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was a game changer. And so what you sell, if you're Ed, is you, you sell, you sell family. You know, he talks about this us, we together, you know, Friars family thing all the time. That's his moniker, which is great. But that's what he sells to his recruits. And so that's kind of what sets Providence apart and puts them in the conversation with a lot of big schools for a lot of guys that, you know, 10 years ago, no shot, no yeah, shot, right. but they're able to do that because they can sell family and they can sell small school, big yeah. conference, big spotlights, Madison square garden, small school. You know, the, the 50,000 student schools are not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to a 50,000 student school. So, I mean, I know, I know. <laughs> And I also, I teach at a very small school and, and I can understand where, you know, some kids just get it, the hell intimidated out of themselves by that. Yeah. But right. Ed, give them a great alternative. Okay. Look, you got a smaller class size, but you can still come play in the big time on national television and under the lights of, uh, at Madison square garden. That's extraordinarily appealing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what, what has made coach Cooley so great with a transfer reporter too, because he's got Bryce, he got Bryce from uh, Kentucky he got Devin Carter from South Carolina. I, maybe you touched upon it right there, but what, what, how has he been able to kind of take a different, like it's a different recruiting now, like with Coach Cooley and his staff, you know, being able to take advantage of the, the transfer portal, which is free agency, basically. Yeah, you know, it is. It is. Yeah. It's Cooley's the free agency. Let's just yeah. let's call it what it is, right? Yeah. Um, Ed's able to do that because he has uh, his assistant coaches dialed into it. Yeah. You know, th their job is to look at the portal every day. And by the way, the portal's open and guys are already transferring. And from what I'm hearing, Friars are already reaching out to kids who are in the portal for nice, next year. Great. So, yeah. so there, there you, you will find, uh, and, and, you know, you will find Providence involved with probably a couple of high profile transfers again for next year. And why is that? Because Ed knows nowadays in order to be competitive every year, you've got to be an older team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Look at look at Creighton this year. Look at um, uh, the one anomaly to all of this, Xavier this year especially. Older team, right? They got seniors everywhere. Um, but the one anomaly to all of this is Marquette this year because yeah, they've yeah. largely done this with sophomores and juniors, which is extraordinary. That uh, Shaka Smart um, has gotten his kids to buy in, and he's gotten in incredibly improved play. I mean. You know, the, the, the most improved player in the Big East was Ryan Kalkbrunt. No, um, I'm sorry, I, I aired. It was Joel Soriano from um, St. John's. And he's very deserving because he went from six and a half points and five rebounds a game to a double-double every night. And with all due respect to Ed Croswell, Soriano probably deserved it. But Croswell is right there a half a step behind him, okay? Yeah. But but when you, when you take that in consideration, I think Marquette's entire starting five is most improved. Yeah, yeah. Look at, look at Tyler Kolick, yeah, kid yeah, from yeah. Cumberland, Rhode Island. Really? Yeah. Cumberland? Yeah. <laughs> Cumberland High School and then St. George's for a year, and then yeah. nobody wanted him. And look at what yeah. he's developed into. 
Yeah. God bless him, man. I, I applaud that. That that's a great story. But you got Oso Igadaro, who's like that. Um, uh, I mean, improved by leaps and bounds, and uh, Stevie Mitchell. I mean, my God, it's up and down. Right. So yeah. I mean, I, I give Marquette a tremendous amount of credit for doing that with really what a college basketball team was. But college basketball teams, I think, you know, the majority are going to have to turn to uh, experience uh, and older kids in order to be successful year in and year out. And I think the way to go is the way that Ed is trying to do it. I back him 110% on this, is to try to find that right combination out of the portal with your own growth from within and try to keep, you know, kids in your program for, you know, three or four years. And hopefully they can do that with both Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter, because each of them would have two more years left. I don't think anybody expects Bryce to be around for that long, but at the same time, if you can get him for another year after this one, and by the way, I know this is another subject altogether. He should go and kick the tires on the NBA after this year's over. Absolutely should. It's a freebie. It's a freebie. He he doesn't, he doesn't get hurt by that, but he needs to to find out exactly what he needs to work on because when kids get verification from the league, I got to improve this. I got to improve that. Trust me, they'll work on it because everybody's yeah. goal is to get to the league. So yeah, yeah. you got to you got to find the right combination there. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy what a change college basketball has been over the years. I think that it was mm-hmm. used to be the the five star freshman that everyone was trying to get, bring in five of those kids and try to win a championship that way. And now with the transfer portal, it seems that everyone's going back to the older way of like you know getting the juniors and the the sophomores and those transfer quarters and keep those kids around for another two or three years, instead of going yeah. back to the freshmen, yeah. but uh, vice versa from the Calipari way, I guess. In the two, <laughs> yeah, two right. Ways. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> totally. but, yeah. But John, we, we want to get into your background too, because you, you have a phenomenal background, everything you've been doing and, you know, you've been around with PC. You also, uh, you, you're with the Patriots as well too, correct? As like you do I've, some... uh, done I've done 31 seasons with the Patriots yeah oh my god oh, wow. yeah so you're a busy man during these two these two next years but I want to know how did you decide to get into sports media and the sports background and everything mm, that's, uh, you know I haven't answered that question in a long time uh, <laughs> probably because I was a failed basketball player <laughs> I tore up my knee my junior year of high school oh wow and and uh, the the true story of it is is that um, I was devastated. You know, I was you know going to be the starting point guard on the team. I led I led you know uh, uh, you know I, I was you know I was I was an okay player. You know, I, I played point guard. I knew you know how to get the the ball to my big guys, and you know and you know I I loved playing, but I loved being around my friends more than anything else. And um, uh, when I ripped up my knee playing with older kids, um, you know I. Uh, was devastated. And so uh, the coach at the time, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, may have been the only time he ever felt sorry for anybody. I remember <laughs> that he was a real, he was, he was a real chop buster, but most coaches were, you know, 40, 50 years ago, they, yeah. they got away with things then that they would never dare even try to get away with today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but and, and would say things that were like, eh, okay, so what, but that you can't say today. I mean, look at what happened to Mark Adams at Texas tech. I mean, you, you just gotta, you gotta know, you just gotta know how kids are. Right. You gotta know what the climate will allow you to say and do it. You just gotta be smarter than that. And and we all have our little faux pas, but back in the day, uh, coach, I think took pity on me. And he said, well, you know what? I don't have a student trainer. You know, he said, if you learn how to wrap knees and, you know, and wrap ankles and wrap thumbs and stuff like that, he said, you know, I'll, you, you sit on the bench and, and, and be our student trainer for the year. So I did. 
that's what I did for at least part of the year. Uh, and then I missed playing so much. I ended up going and play. I, I rehabbed myself as much as I could back then. Cause I had a, a full complete and total knee explosion. Oh, I, man. I tore every ligament in my left knee. You can name uh, ACL, MCL, LCL. I tore it all. Every it was so bad. It was so bad. I had cadaver ligaments transplanted into my knee. Wow. Uh, and this was, you know, and this is well before, you know, science, you know, and arthroscopic surgery and all that kind of stuff happened and, and advanced to the point where now, you know, you can have, you know, ACL surgery and be back on your feet in probably three to six months. Now, no, I was in a hip to toe cast for six months and, yeah. uh, you know, my knee looked like a grilled hot dog when I got it out of that cast. And, um, Coach took pity on me, and I learned how to become a trainer. And a buddy of mine who uh, was on the school newspaper saw what I was doing, got wind of what I was doing. And so he said, hey, would you mind if I, you know, interviewed you for the school newspaper? Sure. <laughs> I remember going to the journalism office at my high school, and I sat down at this little table uh, across from, uh, uh, his name was his name was Lon Alexander, I, from, uh, you know, Lonnie, and he was, you know, he had his little tape recorder and he had a microphone set up and he had his little notebook and his pen and he's taking notes and he's being very diligent. And I was so enthralled with the process, you know, the questions he asked and tried to answer them as best as I could. And like a week later, you know, the story came out in the high school newspaper and I was the freaking BMOC for like a month. I had, <laughs> I had, I had girls talking to me that wouldn't say boo for <laughs> years. And that was, that was, that was a moving experience. Trust me, you know, being, you know, as you know, socially inept as, as we all were probably back at that time. But I mean, especially, you know, not being an athlete anymore, who was I, I was nothing. So um, that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that process. And so um, six months after that, almost to the day, I became the co-editor of the school newspaper. I, I signed up and I said, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six months later, I was co-editor of the newspaper uh, with a buddy of mine who's news director at a television station now in Beaumont, Texas. And then six months after that, a full year after I, you know, got started uh, and joined the school newspaper, I won a scholarship at the University of Texas at Austin. Wow, awesome! That's awesome. That's 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 the truth. That's how wow. it happened. So I had a major door close in my life. But I had a forty-five plus year career open up at the same time. That's 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 amazing. Yeah, that's true story. Great. Yeah, true that's story. Great. So I think I can live without being a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what uh, what were your goals going into the University of Texas, and then furthering your career after that? Did you did you set any goals? Um, wanting to be um a sports reporter in the Boston area or anything along those lines? I, I wanted to be, uh, I started as a writer. I was a, you know, a, a writer uh, my first couple of years in school. Um, and I wanted to cover Southwest Conference football. That's, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to be on the beat for Texas or, you know, for SMU or for TCU or Texas tech or somebody. I wanted to be on the Southwest conference beat 
covering college football because my heroes and the guys that I, I, you know, woke up to every morning by reading their bylines in the newspapers were all writing for the Dallas Morning News, the Dallas Times Herald, the Forward Star Telegram, the Houston Chronicle, uh, the San Antonio Express News. I mean, all those, you know, the Waco Tribune Herald, Lubbock Avalanche Journal, all these big time papers throughout, you know, Texas. And, and that's what I wanted to do. And so I was the, uh, I was the assistant sports editor at the Daily Texan, which is one of the best, you know, collegiate dailies in the country. It was at the time. I'm sure it probably still is today. And it was my night to lay out the page. We each, each of the editors had a, a night where you had to physically cut and paste and splice. And, you know, nothing was computerized back then. We had what was known as video display terminals where we could actually punch out copy and then print it up on a printer. And that was extraordinarily advanced for, you know, 1980, right? Hey, well, uh, but it was my night to cut and paste. And we got a, a news release from the women's athletic department at Texas because at the time, women's athletics and men's athletics in 1980, this is right after Title IX, you know, came into being, you know, back in like 76. Uh, and so the women's and men's athletic departments were segregated at the time. They had their own, they did their own thing. And uh, we got one from the women's athletic department saying that they were going to hold a campus-wide audition for the very first radio voice of the Texas Lady Longhorn basketball team. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's pretty cool because Texas at the time, uh, this was 1979, they were preseason number one in the nation. Oh, wow. uh, preseason co-number one in the nation with Old Dominion. And Old Dominion's point guard that year was a young lady by the name of Nancy Lieberman, if you know that wow. name at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and and their, their center on that team was a young lady by the name of um, uh, Ann Donovan, who was a, you know, big stick of a chick but she was a you know a super olympian i mean she was she was tough so between lieberman and donovan and texas was co-ranked number one to start the season they're like well, we got to do something here so they decided hey let's give students a chance to come call the games so i did the release up and i put it above the fold of the sports section because i thought it was a, a story worthy of being across the front banner of the uh, of the of the daily texan and uh, i thought you know what I'm going to take a shot at that. That sounds like fun, right? Yeah, I had yeah. just finished a big internship uh, at a radio station in Houston that summer, KTRH Radio. And I served that internship with a guy by the name of Jerry Trupiano. And Jerry Trupiano uh, at the time was hosting a talk show uh, and doing the Houston Oilers play-by-play -play on his radio station in Houston. Uh, local fans uh, in Providence and New England will recognize Troop as uh, having done the Boston Red Sox for about 13 seasons before he retired a few years ago. And, uh, and I just, <laughs> strange as this world is, uh, it, it all comes around because about three, almost four years ago now, I hired Troop to be one of our professors at Dean College where I teach. Oh my, God. <laughs> my, way, my, my way to thank him, you know, for all yeah, those years. Yeah. But, but um, the, I, I, on a whim, I sent them my audition tape um uh, that i had made from that summer's internship at the station in houston and wouldn't you know what i got a call back and so the audition was really a uh it was uh, you know I, I wasn't nervous but i i made the final five they had a couple hundred you know kids 
you know, you know, send in, you know, or send in, you know, uh, audio or whatever. There weren't too many. I mean, you got to remember, it's not like recording audio on your cell phone these days, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't that way. I mean, you literally had to probably have been a broadcast major or go out and find a, a cassette tape recorder and just practice calling a game into a cassette, you know, audio tape and then give it to them and say, okay, here's my audition tape. Because the stuff that we have today didn't exist 40 plus years ago. Right. And, um, I remember the audition day like it was yesterday. You know, we show up at the the Irwin Center, which is their former building now. And there was a scrimmage going on between Texas team and it was Texas Southern University. Okay. And um, so the girls were all out there, you know, warming up and practicing. And they had this huge spaceship looking setup on press row with about 16 different reel to reel tapes, and all these headphones and wires and i'm like going holy bleep what is this <laughs> and it was really intimidating fortunately i was being a, a you know a, a journalism major i was kind of like okay but they but they didn't tell us anything to expect we all the five kids of us and one of the kids who came in and tried out was a friend of mine and actually worked on the daily texan staff with me and and so um we're all in there and we're like, all right, so what do you want us to do? And so they sat us all down and they said, we want you to call five minutes of play by play. And we're like, okay, good. You know, so how do we, you know, study it? What do you want us to do? And they're like, well, that's just it. We want to see what you, we want to see what kind of chops you have. So we don't want you to study at all. Oh, oh wow. wow. They threw you right into the fire. <laughs> Fortunately for moi, I had <laughs> classes without half of the Texas basketball team. So I knew who those girls were. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I knew who they were and I knew what they had done. And, and so I could call them. So I just came up with this unique idea of, all right, I'm going to make up stuff for, for the other team. Yeah. yeah. I just had to, I had to make notes. All right. So number two's name is Judy and number three's name is Danielle. And number four's name is, uh, you know, Clarice. And yeah, I just made stuff up. Right. <laughs> and they apparently were impressed by that because the station manager called me back uh, was it two days later. Yeah. Something like it, it was just two days. And he said, um, you're our guy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> really? So what does this mean exactly? And they're like, well, you're going to call all of the UT women's games at home and you're going to travel with them on the road. Wow. That's what? <laughs> right. Right. That That's what happened. And, and, and so that's when I kind of turned from, print journalism major to broadcast journalism and and so that's what i spent my last two years at at texas learning how to do i decided well if i'm going to do this i'm going to do it right i'm going to learn how to do it right and so you know i had you know uh i had a couple of voice professors that were these big deep you know announcer joe voices and and but they you know like literally the voice of god and and that's how i learned how to do that you know for the patriots and for you know when i do the intros at at the amp and all that kind of stuff and um uh, they left a real lasting impression on me. I thank them from the bottom of my heart to teach me how to do this and how to uh, learn how to do something that's been a huge part of my life and career for well over 40 years now. That's fantastic. I mean, that's yeah. amazing how that all worked out for you. It's crazy. <laughs> it really did. It, yeah. it really did. But it, it it flipped me around. And, and, you know, and I tell people all the time, I said, yep, yeah, damn it. Women were at the very beginning of my ruination in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I, I say that. that lovingly with my own wife in mind. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, we'll have a couple more questions and we'll, we'll wrap it up. How much time do you have? I don't want to hold you up. I know you just. No, we're good. We're, yeah, okay. We're good. I just want to make, make sure. Um, obviously, when you come up here to, you know, Rhode Island and get the job up here, what was the experience like to, you know, start working with PC then, you know, the rest is history, obviously. But what? how did you get up here? How did you come up to the Rhode Island area? Well, that's 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 another kind of bizarre story in itself, because uh, before I came up to uh, the Northeast, uh, I worked in San Antonio. Um, I was hired by the San Antonio Spurs, and I did uh, their play-by-play uh, for three seasons, four seasons under their employ. They wow. decided to go. I did their television. I learned how to do it on the radio, and I, you know, spent some time in the production truck to learn NBA broadcasting. And and then um, they cut me loose, and I did all their pay cable TV play-by-play uh, play, uh, at a ripe old age of 23 wow wow oh yeah God. right place right time right yeah and then um they went back to a simulcast which meant that they were they, they had one less job to fill but you know i they didn't burn the bridge and i didn't burn the bridge they're like well we don't really have an, a, a tv play-by-play -play job anymore but they said would you would you mind doing the public address inside the arena for the year and I'm like, hey, you know, I, the attitude that I took was, was like, hey, as long as I'm working, I'm good. Yeah. So that's how I actually learned how to do PA, wow. which is what ultimately led me that's to awesome. my 31-year career with the Patriots. So wow. I mean, it all kind of worked out, you know. But then I moved uh, after I left the Spurs employ, and I left it on good terms uh, because I got a TV job working for the ABC affiliate in San Antonio. And it just so happens that the ABC affiliate had the over-the-air broadcast rights to the Spurs. So they only did, like, uh, I think it was 10 or 12 games a year. But guess who did them? Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. and, and that's what happens when you don't burn bridges. Because right, it's yeah. such, you know this this industry that we're in is just like, wow, it's man, everybody knows everybody. So you you really got to kind of mind your P's and Q's, and, and you can stay in it for a while. And so that's kind of what happened. And then um, – I had an agent at the time and I really wanted to, I mean, I was working uh, weekends mostly primarily, you know, as a sports guy in San Antonio. And I really wanted to get back to work in weeknights because I had two little kids at the time. Oh, wow. And so I wanted to spend more of my weekends with them if I could. And so my agent said, uh, I remember he called me one day at an agent with William Morris agency here in New York. And uh, he said, what do you know about Providence, Rhode Island? And I like, I'm like, Nothing other than the fact that Rick Pitino took that team to the final four, you know, uh, a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I knew that. And, and, and then as it turns out, the news anchor that I worked with on the desk, uh, on that weekend desk in San Antonio is a native of Cumberland, Rhode Island. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh my God. And, and so, and so I just said, you know, Hey, JK, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, that's where you were from. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's the one that actually got me started being a Red Sox fan well before I ever moved up here. <laughs> you know and so uh i said so what do you know about providence and he told me and then um uh and i'm like i, I think i'm gonna kick the tires on this he goes that's a great market is it's, it's not only a great market but the fans are extraordinarily passionate they treat you know the friars like the pro team in town which we all know is true right yeah and then of course i i'd be lying if i said i didn't want to come up and cover the red Sox and the celtics and the bruins and the patriots and everything you know at that time i'm like I'm in. And so my agent worked on a deal where I was going to work, uh, you know, for the, uh, for channel 12 in Providence, but I also wanted to try to stay in, you know, the play-by-play -play realm since I was doing those, you know, 10 games a year for the Spurs still. 
And so he got me a deal where I was going to uh, uh, do play by play for what was then known as the Big East Television Network. And wow. I was going to uh, work play by play along with Mike Gorman, who's the Celtics voice. Yeah. Wow. That's and, crazy. And before the f- first season ever rolled around and I moved up to the Northeast and before that season ever rolled around the radio job for the, uh, for the Friars opened up. And again, I found out about it like everybody else. I opened up the Providence journal and there it was that, uh, uh, they were going to change stations from at the time it was WICE to WPRO and um, Gary Cohen, who had done the, the play-by-play for a season, was also leaving to um, take the job, uh, the radio job with the New York Mets at the time. Of course, Gary's now with, been with SNY in New York for a couple of decades. And uh, and so I'm like, eh, I'll take a shot. You know, what the hell? So I sent him, I sent, I sent WPRO, I sent them a cassette tape. Uh, the, the game that I called the Spurs playing at Phoenix, playing the Suns. The night that George Gervin, the Iceman, scored his 25,000th career NBA point. Oh, wow. wow. That's awesome. Guess who got a call back two days later? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? It happened yeah. again, like lightning yeah. struck again, just like that, you know, callback I got for the Lady Longhorns. And they said, we should talk. And I'm like, okay. And <laughs> that, that's how it started. And I've wow. been doing it since. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's amazing. I mean, you've seen so many great players george gervin i mean also doing like the the patriots you see tom brady as well like i mean being able to do all that like that's got to be that's got to be so awesome to experience one of the one of the highlights of my life i like to kid you know my my kids and 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 my wife about this one is uh one of the highlights of my white life is walking through the corridors at gillette stadium this is probably late 2000s maybe yeah eight or nine, somewhere in there. It was after he was hurt, but he was back again, you know, Tom Brady. And I'm walking the corridor one way. He's walking the corridor the other way. I don't think he knows me from Adam, although we had met, you know, before, right? Uh, and so I'm walking into the uh, production area and he walks by me and he goes, hey, voice, sup? <laughs> Pounds my fist. Even then he was into, he was into fist pounding well before it became the cool thing to do, you know, yeah. COVID, right? and, and, and I'm like, you know, Sup, TB12. That was my brush with greatness moment right there. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so I was kind of like, ooh, do I want to wash this fist ever again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you. <laughs> uh, no, that was, he was he was really cool. Re- really, he's really cool. And all those guys, really cool. Teddy Bruschi, a good guy. Um, you know, even, you know, uh, Vrabel, uh, all those guys, uh, you know, uh, Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, uh, you know, uh, Gronk, you know, he's a, he's a wacko, but you know, he's you know, <laughs> a good guy. They're all good guys. They're all just good guys. And they all had, you know, they were all had the right mindset and it was just, man, you know, they, they talk about the Patriot way so much, but in all honesty, it was really easy to understand why they all got that way because once they got in that way, they didn't allow anybody any leeway. You follow this way and that's it. You know, yeah. if you really want to, you know, uh, you know, get into how the the the, the Patriots have kind of slacked off the last couple of years because they've lost a ton of veteran leadership. Yeah, 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 a ton Absolutely. of it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's interesting. It, it's very cool to see your perspective and what you've been through. It's been um, pretty interesting to understand and and hear out for sure. Been fun, guys. Hadn't been boring. Yeah. I'm blessed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm blessed. I really to have the you know the the experiences and the career I've had. Uh, the only thing that would you know cap it off, I think, is a natty. 
You're right. Yeah. That'd be awesome to have that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need a natty. I, I, yeah. I'm lucky, you know, I've, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've got a Super Bowl ring, you know, which is wonderful, but I, I just, I need a national championship here. And I never thought that was possible until about 10 years ago. Yeah. 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 Hopefully it happens. It'd be awesome to bring something back to Rhode Island and, you know, help us put a, put us more on the map besides our beaches and everything like that. <laughs> it would be, as the saying goes, way cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah. Before you, before we uh, let you go, we wanted to uh, kind of hit on what's your, uh, what's your golf game like? <laughs> Actually, uh, the last couple of years has been better. I'm a 16. So, okay. uh, but you know, I was always a ham and egg golfer. I played a lot, but I never really took lessons, and I just like to play. But I actually started getting better because my wife took up the sport. Really? And, you know, it's so we could just spend more time with each other as we get older, and we're both into physical activity. I mean, I used to do crazy things. I used to lift weights when I was younger, and and uh, I got into power lifting and power walking and power this and power that, and <laughs> and then I finally realized, you know what? I'm too old for this crap. I gotta. <laughs> I got to take it easy. So I, I finally cut back. It came after actually I threw my shoulder out trying to bench press. And so I'm like, oh, you God. know what? I think I'm, 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 I'm good now. Rip my rotator <laughs> cuff, just gone. Oh. And, and that, that came from, that came from years, I think of throwing 13 year olds curveballs in literally, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, so uh, golf was always a sport that I love to play. Uh, she wasn't any good, but I thought, well, this would be a great way for us to be together. So we started picking it up about three or four years ago, got our lessons, bought our clubs. And so we just started playing. And so literally I played more and I shaved a couple of strokes off my handicap to the point now where, you know, even Hassan will say, shoot, you're a 16. Hell, I can win money with you. <laughs> so, That's great. <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't, I don't play for that. I play to yeah. get out and exercise. And, uh, you know, it's a, you know, the, the old saying is, is that, you know, uh, golf is a good walk spoiled, but I, I, you know, I don't really look at it like that. I like the challenge and I like the yeah. target practice. And if she's having fun, I'm having fun. And so the byproduct of that is, you know, I, my game gets a little bit better and, uh, in, in, you know, she gets a little bit better. And so, you know, then I treat her to a new outfit and everything's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> That's how you keep her happy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Got to do it. Got to do yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, who has the edge between you and coach Cooley? You know, um, Ed can hit the ball a ton when he hits it straight. Yeah. Yeah. He can hit the ball a ton. We kind of laugh about it. And he's like, you're 16. He said, I think I got down to about a 12 or a 13. He says, I couldn't tell you what I am now. <laughs> no. and, 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 and so, you know, I, I don't know. He's probably, you know, a little better than me in that regard. You know, we were actually going to play just because he can hit it so much further. Cause I just, I'm not, I'm not macho anymore. I don't have to hit it 250 plus. I, I, I don't even want to hit it 250 plus. Yeah, yeah, give, yeah. Me, give me a good straight hit at about two to between two and 220, and I'm very happy. Very I'm good. Very <laughs> happy. That gives me a shot on most par fours to hit the green if I do what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, so that's. That's what I, that's, that's all I, I want to be in the fairway. I don't want to be off of the sticks. I don't want to be behind a tree. I don't want to be in the rough. I want a fairway tee shot. I want to play the fairway. If I yeah. play the fairway, uh, you know, even if I take a six on the damn hole, I'm probably still smiling because I hit the fairway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? That's great. Sure, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we got to get you out on, on the golf course with this guy right here. He's one of the Rhode Island top amateurs. <laughs> one of the top amateurs in the state of Rhode Island. So you gotta Can I have lessons? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll give you some tips. Okay. We got to get out there for sure. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, we'll get out there and, and we'll, we'll smoke a couple of those stogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Great. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for your time. This has been a fantastic interview. A lot of fun. Uh, have fun up in that MSG. Hopefully, uh, uh-huh. you know, PC makes a great run and uh, wins the Big East tournament, and, you know, right into March. Hopefully. We'll okay. keep our fingers crossed, guys. It was my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having yeah, me. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you very much.